3: I think obviously you solve problems by not just thinking about yourself, but collaborating as an industry, and I think we all felt that.
4: We have been following the wrong mission of selling stuff, overselling stuff, producing more stuff, dropping product in the season where the customer wasn't interested.
5: Now this season, we know that in January and March there's not going to be fashion shows again. Uh, so we kind of embrace the limitations that we have. So we use, in fact, the fact that we can't do a fashion show as a starting point to think about our collection and the way that we are going to communicate about it.
6: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF Podcast. This week on Inside Fashion, we go back to Voices 2020 where I had a conversation with three individuals who've been leading the thinking around how independent brands can navigate the crisis. And as you'll see, the challenges faced by smaller brands have been very unique compared to some of the big behemoths who have the cash and resources to wait through what has been an extremely challenging period for the wider fashion industry. Here are Dries Van Noten, Anya Heinmarsch, and Stefano Martinetto at Voices 2020. Brands that fall under the protective umbrella of big luxury groups could afford to wait out the crisis and delay their events and product launches and pivot to digital sales while their stores were closed. However, it wasn't that easy for many independent brands whose businesses are heavily dependent on wholesale revenue, income that was pummeled by the crisis as orders were canceled and factories were shut down. Shortly after the lockdowns began, two virtual groups of independent designers formed organically. They met on weekly Zoom calls, Rewiring Fashion, facilitated by BOF, and The Forum, led by the designer Dries Van Noten. A few months later, within a few days of each other, both groups published manifestos, encouraging the industry to think differently. In an attempt to preserve the vitality and creativity of independent businesses, They made strong arguments regarding changes to the fashion calendar, rampant discounting, and the purpose of fashion shows. Listening to those conversations was a defining moment of the crisis for me. For the first time, designers were openly sharing their challenges, frustrations, and worries about the future of their businesses. And they were also helping each other, sharing knowledge and market intel. In an industry that's traditionally valued keeping up appearances over open exchange and vulnerability, this was something new, something I'd never seen before in fashion. So today we're excited to announce that going forward, Rewiring Fashion and the Forum are now joining forces. It's another step in collaboration. And so for an update on progress and the work that remains to be done, I'm pleased to introduce three of the leaders in this movement to build a better fashion industry. Anya Heinmarsch, who's here with me in the Voices studio in London, Stefano Martinetto, who's the head of Tomorrow, and Dries Van Noten, who joins us from his studio in Antwerp, Belgium. Welcome to all of you. So I want to start this by asking a very specific conversation about these groups that had formed during the pandemic. And Dries, maybe we'll start with you. Um, What was the most important thing that you learned as part of being in the forum and having those conversations on a weekly basis with all the retailers and independent brands?
5: It was a very big change for us because uh, it was a very open discussion. So our group of people was really existing. Kind of was kind of a cross-section of the fashion industry. There were retailers, there were e-commerce people, there were kind of fashion show uh, people who organized fashion shows. There was a VR uh, company involved. So we had a very good cross-section. And what was really like the most new thing for us, that there was very open discussion. People of big department stores discussing, in fact, how they could cope with COVID, uh, if they the stores could reopen, all those type of things. So the openness was, was really the biggest change. Once we started the discussion, of course, for us the main issue to change something that definitely in fashion was changing the, the, the sales dates and to avoid that summer clothes were delivered in winter, winter clothes delivered in summer. So that was for us the, the main topic that we started to work on.
6: Okay. Uh, Stefano, let's, let's go to you. For you, what was your main learning from being part of rewiring fashion?
4: Well, clearly, the openness and the transparency with which every member of the of the of the panel discussed their problems and the issues. Uh, all of a sudden, we realized that an entire generation of independent designers were endangered, um, relying on wholesale business. Um, all of a sudden, there was no market out there for them. So, how to sort out the situation? Basic problems: inventory, cash flow. Um, It was wonderful to see the more experts among the panel to contribute with their knowledge. It was uh, incredibly to remember and remind everyone that we are here for the creativity and craftsmanship, and probably slowing down the entire industry is a good solution to look uh, at the brighter future.
3: Okay, Anya, how about you? Well, I mean, I think the collaboration, I think we all felt that was really um, powerful, actually. And I think obviously you solve problems um, by not just thinking about yourself, but collaborating as an industry, And I think we all felt that. I think what was exciting was that we all have the same challenges, um, whatever sector or um, you know, I'm accessories are slightly different, but everyone has the same issues. And and I think there was a power to coming together actually, and and sharing those problems, and, and realizing we could actually affect change, and that was that was really exciting. Um, and I think as Dries said, the um, the overriding issue that we were trying to to discuss, and I think everyone was sort of aligned, is the the, the sort of the shift in in the dates that's happened as in that the discount periods have moved forward. And it's sort of caused a bit of chaos, honestly, not only for brands, but for customers and for the planet. So I think we were all aligned on what we were trying to achieve. Okay,
6: Um, let's break down one by one some of the things that have come up. I, I wanted to start with the wholesale model, you know, and so, Around the time of the 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 lockdowns, uh, a lot of the designers that I was hearing from were not getting positive messages of support um, from wholesalers. And this is after years of the wholesale model being broken, the sales that were happening in some of the U.S. department stores and some of the online players. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw this one to you first, Anya, you know, what is the future of wholesale or the role of wholesale in our industry now when it's so easy for us to reach customers directly?
3: Well, I think, you know, probably the play is much more direct. That's probably as a big chunk of the future. Wholesale still has a very important role. Um, they have a very uh, sort of engaged local customer base. They've been a long time in the market. They can amplify what you're doing in a brilliant way. And um, when you partner with a wholesale Uh, store or or partner, you you can really make a big difference. It's really exciting, I think. So there's still absolutely a role. I think there is going to be a cull, honestly. I think there's going to be, as as we're seeing, honestly, at the moment. And I think that with COVID, we are absolutely sort of suffering from the pandemic. But there is also, this is sort of a number of problems that have come together, which um, perhaps has accelerated some changes, as we've seen. Um, So it's still really relevant, but there's there's a change. And I think the, the, the fact that you can now go much more direct to a customer allows you to, frankly, be, sort of dictate a bit more on your dates and you don't necessarily have to kind of go with the rules of wholesale. So it puts the power a little bit on the other foot, I think. Uh, and on the whole, my experience was pretty actually positive um, throughout this. talking to our partners and, and we'll talk about dates. But we made some big changes to our timetable and everyone was very supportive, actually. But one of the issues, of course, was that um, we normally have an export guarantee insurance. So when we ship something, we're insured and a lot of those insurances fell away, which was quite a challenge. Uh, Dries, you made the unusual
6: decision mid pandemic to open a retail store, which in Los Angeles, uh, which I think speaks a little bit to the, the way you're thinking about your business. But, you know, going forward post pandemic, how how does the Dries Van Noten business think about working with the wholesale clients?
5: I think we have. Uh, we need to definitely the perfect combination. We need a combination of online, which I think is going to be more and more important in the future. But for me, online can only exist when you have besides that also a very good, uh, solid uh, way of showing and brick and mortar store your collections. Can be your monobrand stores, can be our own stores like the one that we have now in L.A., But I think also. For me, there is a very strong future in uh, multi-label stores quite often now. You you feel that there's kind of new energy there already before the crisis started. You feel that there is a less expensive neighborhood. You have young people who start to do a very personal take on fashion, very personal selection, something which is very curated. And in that way, for me, the three elements really can go hand in hand. You have those more smaller boutiques, you have the existing, the big uh, department stores which, of course, stay important. We have our own stores, but that in combination with the online. But I think we have to review also what a and motor store can be, because I think just showing clothes and that's it, forget it, that's not going to work anymore. I think you can have the same experience and much more practical than on, on, on uh, e-commerce. So I think we have to offer different things. So we have to tell a story. We have to tell really to show why the clothes are more expensive than high street labels. We have to, to give kind of a full package of, of support to people who come to the store to explain them and to tell them a beautiful story and that they fall in love with the product uh, and uh, with, the, with the garment or with an accessory what we show to them.
6: Okay. Stefano, you work with a lot of young designers and maybe their experience with the wholesale model during this period, I mean, how, how, did, it, how did it work out for them?
4: Well, it's obviously extremely challenging. I, I uh, Eco, drew uh, unusual decision. We invested into a retail store over the lockdown, Machine a in Soho. Um, the, the the notion that wholesale is dying is is most appropriately defined as bad wholesale is dying. When you have a curation, when you have a personal relationship, when you have a uh, local retailer who, act, who actually knows their customers. Uh, an art gallerist who curates a selection of artists, I like to define them. Well, that's certainly a moment of connection, curation, relationship, which will be thrived Nobody uh, selling to Machineo to the broken arm, for example, feels that wholesale is dying. Like, I'm not feeling that going to my local fishmongers is, uh, is uh, uh, outdated. Uh,
6: what about What about these, like, really big... Wholesale clients, the, the big online players that started discounting, you know, very well, early, like the big American department stores. I mean, these are, these, these are the kinds of companies that dominate the wholesale market.
4: Um, yes and no. Yes and no. For independent designers, these, uh, the online stores, the larger, uh, bigger online stores are dominating. The big department stores are not and haven't for quite a long time. I'm a big fan of, of uh, having a rational approach to the business and looking the flow of the money we know that uh, a couple of uh, online stores are particularly relevant for independent designers essence for example or my theresa what does what do these two retailers have in common Uh, relentless talent scouting and support for independent designers and full price sales a larger portion of full price sales Um, we have been following the wrong the wrong uh, mission of selling stuff overselling stuff producing more stuff dropping product in the season where the customer wasn't interested. Would you buy a down jacket in May or April? Probably not, unless you have a trip. Um, so we have to go back to the drawing board, rethink the entire cycle, give space to creativity. No, you can't ask a designer to come out with six, eight, nine, ten 10 collections a year, because that's, that's a factoring. That's cookie cutting is not allowing them to express themselves. Probably less collections. Uh, More time to develop the product, less product delivered in the right seasonality is also a viable future for a quality wholesale.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together.
1: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits.
2: because when you finally step into those sneakers put on that watch get your real gold glow up swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that street wear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other with ebay authenticity guarantee you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach ensure your next purchase is the real deal visit ebay.com for terms okay um We've, we've
6: touched on discounting a couple of times already, and it was a real bugbear for Dries in particular, the, the kind of discounting calendar. Dries, are you, are you happy with the progress that, that's been made thus far around discounting dates? You know, I mean, Stefano alluded to part of the problem, which was like overproduction, and you know, everyone had too much stuff, and they started you know, trying to get rid of it early. But do you feel like we 've made some progress in this discounting issue?
5: I think there is really clearly an, uh, an evolution there, and I think always like we have to we have to be careful it's not going to be a revolution it's not going to change from one season to another, especially now that everybody's in a very fragile financial situation so and we also said we don't want to become the fashion police, checking if everybody. Uh, follow the rules that we make, because I think the last thing what we need in the condition that everybody is now is a set of new rules. I think it is a very open discussion. You clearly feel that the enthusiasm of Black Friday was less big, so there was more selective uh, offer of, uh, of brands and pieces in, in Black Friday, and not everybody did Black Friday offers, I think. Also, now we are in the full discussion with all our partners and retailers to see uh, when we can uh, break with the, with the sales dates. And it's a much more open discussion. Beforehand, it was much more dictate from our retailers. Now you really can discuss and compare and say, like, look, in Asia, we do it like this. Why don't we do it also? Why don't we follow this this system and things like that? So I'm very, very happy and very positive about it, that, okay, maybe it's not completely settled this season, but for the season afterwards, uh, let's say, for summer, when the situation, let's hope it's going to go a little bit more back to normal, I have a strong belief that we will be able to push the sales back to all, all the sales back to, to July.
6: Okay. Um, this conversation wouldn't be complete without a discussion of fashion shows and fashion week. And let's deal with them separately because you know, they can get mixed together. But I know that there's a nuance there. Uh, Dries, I'm going to go back to you again, because um, I remember early in the conversations that you and I had, Uh, in the pandemic, you know, the fashion show was, you know, a really critical part of your creative process, as you described it to me. And, um, you know, thinking about moving when a fashion show happens, you know, should it happen at the, after you've kind of designed the collection, but before you've taken it to market, or should it be timed with the arrival of collections or near to the arrival of collections in stores? Um, And then no one could have fashion shows, really this past September and October. And you had to do something completely different. You, know, you were this devotee of the fashion show. And then you did the amazing photo shoot with Vivian Sasson, which just you know, blew everyone away and traveled all over social media. I mean, how has your view of the role of fashion shows changed?
5: So of course for us, fashion shows was always like the grand finale of the creative process. So uh, when the pandemic started, for me it was like a catastrophe. I really didn't know how we could bring the emotion to all those people, to the buyers, to the press, to, to the final customer. Uh, we work now really quite strongly on, on that whole look with the lookbook, with what we made with Vivian Sassen and the little video clips and the whole information about the artists which we collaborated with. And, in fact, we discovered that the that emotion was there. People were really reacting very strongly on that. And we appreciated, in fact, all the extra information, that also that they could turn back to all the information, that they could read more about it if they wanted. Uh, so it completely changed my attitude. It's not that I say now, okay, I'm never going to do fashion shows again. Uh, but I have a much more open mindset now because I think, now, this season, we know that in January and March are not going to be fashion shows again. Uh, so we embrace it. We kind of embrace the limitations that we have. So we use, in fact, the fact that we can't do a fashion show as a starting point to think about our collection and the way that we're going to communicate about it. So we turn it completely around as a positive aspect. Uh, later on, I don't know how it's going to go, but... For me, also, the whole discussion about in-season or not in-season, I think everybody's experimenting now. You clearly see that everybody does now tryouts. People learn so fast. I think all the creative people with all the brands, all the independent brands, they learn really fast. And you see now already that, OK, things went well, uh, some sometimes well and sometimes less well for the first time. But I'm very curious to see what everybody is going to show now in January and February, because I think the real creative explosion we can expect only now.
6: Yeah, there's been a lot of learning uh, in the last few months, for sure. Anya, you changed your fashion show strategy a while ago. And you have said to me that fashion shows in the kind of old system are just not relevant anymore, why is that?
3: Well, I, I only can speak for myself, because I yeah. think they obviously, have, it's different for everyone. I mean, I think a fashion show is, is brilliant, to Teresa's to point about emotion, and, and the finale of the creative process, all of which I think is really relevant. Um, we felt for us that we were spending a lot of money and making a huge amount of, it felt quite wasteful, honestly, for nine minutes. Obviously you create content, which is really important, and you engage the, 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 the customer. But we actually moved to doing more sort of city-wide pieces um, and even locals. We might do something in, in, in Japan, for example, instead, um, where we felt it was more inclusive. I think that was something that actually was very well received by our, our sort of customer base. And uh, it felt open, and they didn't feel it was sort of the industry only and excluded. So I think at the point when fashion shows started being sort of open by Instagram, it felt then in a way this sort of quite... Um, exclusive thing so it was nice to open it up um, and I just creatively I like chopping and changing I think it's nice to be able to actually to move to what feels right for the collection so we will do that and respond in fact our last show in inverted commerce was actually closing all our stores and filling it with 90,000 used water bottles so there are many ways to do yeah. a show I think Yeah. Um, well we're,
6: we're almost out of time I, I did want to ask all of you, uh, you know, what do you think can now be accomplished with the kind of merging of these two groups that have been operating over the last nine months. I mean, where, what role can this kind of new merged entity play in kind of helping to define whatever the future system is like? And, you know, I think it's become clear to all of us that new system is not going to be born overnight, right? It's, It's going to be a system that is going to slowly come together and form probably in a quite, organic way. So so Dries, we'll go to you first and then I'll I'll take it to Anya and Stefano. What can happen now with these two groups? What role can they play in the industry?
5: Uh, I think it can be a very open platform for discussion. And I think especially also sharing information, it's a little bit the same message that we said in the beginning. Uh, I think it's a new factor that people talk to each other. And it's not only designers together with designers, but I think even more important, it's like retailers e players, people like that also who share information in a different way than always like client and uh, and, and and retail and and uh, brand. so it's important i think that really people there can share things in all different ways more important things maybe small details but as the the whole fashion uh, world is now so much in evolution we are learning every day again new things we we have to be very strong because The times are not gonna be easy either next year. So I think the more that we can share, the better it will be. Okay, Anya.
3: Well, I think there's a sort of wish list of things we're trying to sort out, um, some of which I think we're making progress on. I think it's about a timetable that works. I think it's about getting product delivered in relevant seasons. I think it's about having full margin sales. Um, And I think it's about building relationships with um, the wholesale community to make sure that all fits together. I think it's trying to make sense of um, Fashion Week, and, and obviously it's it's efficient to kind of commune together. So it's finding our way through that to make it work. It wasn't working before. It was frankly quite broken. So we shouldn't we shouldn't come out of this in the way that we went in. I think we we will we will move forward probably. Steph, now,
4: I believe that uh, a consumer should be at the focus and the central focus of everything we do, and going forward more and more independent designers. Uh, wonderful talents I have the privilege to work with want freedom in how to express themselves and one season can be a movie and could be a see now by now movie and the other season could be a, a traditionally uh, autumn winter season in autumn winter fashion week um, there are platforms out there amazing platform the fashion weeks stay uh, relevant as a, as a you know pivotal uh, element of our industry they have the opportunity to be a 365 days platform in favor of independent and, and larger designers rather than focusing only on those four weeks um, uh, per year. So I, I, I see a bright future where creativity is focused on consumer and has freedom.
6: Okay, we have about one minute left and I don't want to miss the question around the Fashion Week. So if you had your crystal ball in front of you and you're trying to predict what Fashion Week will look like, one year from now, let's say everyone's got a vaccine. <laughs> what does it look like, Anya? Um,
3: I would like it to be massively creative. I think it should be less exclusive, possibly maybe involve more of the city, perhaps. There's so much fashion, take London, it's full of fashion. Um, so I think it could be opened up and it could be a celebration of fashion across the city. And that'd be
4: great. Okay, Stefano? Echoing, absolutely. I was thinking about the Salone and El Mobile in Milan. I believe uh, it needs to open its door to the consumers and Provide joy and happiness to to both the creators and the consumers.
6: Okay, and the final word to you, Dries. What 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 does fashion look like in an ideal world one year from now?
5: Uh, oh, that's a, that's a very difficult question. We need <laughs> more than one minute for that. I think no, but I think it's the law of fashion. I think the emotion which we have to bring back. I think fashion became really more too much like a business and. Selling products where I think it's very important that we can share the love because at the end I think we all are all spoiled people that we can work in something which is so beautiful as fashion. And I think this emotion has to come back.
6: Okay. Well, Stefano, Anya, and Dries in Antwerp, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to collaborating together in the coming year as we kind of rebuild the fashion system. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education.
1: Go to shopify.com slash B-O-F to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash B-O-F.
0: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.